Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Tonight I want to go in a direction, you know, for the next several Wednesdays. You know, these midweek services tend to go more along the lines of teaching and and jumping on a topic and just kind of riding it out and see where God takes us and um, where I feel that he's calling us for the next few weeks and probably to close out the year would be kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. If you go with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, I want to help us identify the power of culture. And, um, you know, culture is a tricky thing because you have culture whether you like it or not. Culture is either intentional or automatic, and it's, it's up to us. You either choose your culture or your culture will choose you. And um, here in Romans chapter 12, it clearly outlines, you, we know this verse, we've seen it before. In the New King James, it reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, so who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. By the mercies of God, so that means what? It's not possible on your own. Anytime you see mercy and anytime you see grace, that means not you. That's identifying something that is not possible in my own power, my own ability. So by the mercies of God, that means I cannot rely on my own natural ability to be spiritual. Natural ability does not produce spirituality. Natural confidence and, and, and natural goodness and natural, you know, rightness, uh, you know, helping people across the street and being generous, you know, with your finance and your time and, and being a good person, watching your mouth. Those things don't make you spiritual. They make you good. They don't make you spiritual. So he's saying, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, see, he's not saying that sacrifices are no longer an obligation. He's not telling us that we don't sacrifice anymore as in the Old Testament, killing rams and calves and, 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 and birds and bringing all that stuff and burnt offerings. You know, church was a messy deal back in those days. But, but, but now we get to be living sacrifices. That means I'm not, not detaching you from sacrifice, but I'm changing how you sacrifice. I'm not changing what, but I'm changing how. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Yeah, that verse is in there. We're to present our bodies, he says. Well, my intentions were good. Well, my heart saved. No, he's saying present your bodies. That means it should produce actions on the outside of a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That means, we're breaking this down now, that means that there are some things that are unacceptable to God. If you can present something that's acceptable to God, that means you can also present something that's unacceptable to God, okay? Which is your reasonable service. And he says this, and do not be conformed, mimic, imitate, become conformed to this world, but be transformed be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Now, it doesn't say good or acceptable or perfect. It's not three levels of God's will. God's will is good. God will is, God's will is acceptable, and God's will is perfect. That'd be like identifying my car is fast, it's silver, and it's small. Okay, my truck is big, it's black, it's fast, whatever. So we're not describing three different kinds of God's will, we're describing three aspects of God's will, okay? So he says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, this world is not talking about like the physical planet. It's talking about the culture. That's really what that word is speaking to. The word world is translated several different times in the Bible. Sometimes it means time. Sometimes it means the physical planet, like the grass and the trees. Sometimes uh, it, it means a culture or, you know, an environment or an atmosphere. And so we got to know what this word is defined as. This word is defined as the culture of the world. And so that tells us that the culture in this world, and this is timeless. He's not just talking to people, uh, you know, in this day and age when this book was written. This is timeless. This is forever. The culture can be adapted to. I can conform or become like what's around me. And you know this, that many times we become the product of our environment. And so we got to understand this thing about culture. Culture is either what you tolerate or what you choose. Culture is either what you tolerate or what you choose. It, either ha it will happen on accident if you don't let it happen on an intentionality. If you're not intentional about setting the culture, then the culture will become. So culture is, is, is it's definable. Culture is moldable. Culture can be created. You can set the culture. You can set the culture in your home. Or you can, that's good, you can set the culture or you can let the culture. There you go, it rhymes. That, it's, it get there eventually. It's kind of how my notes work. I just keep going over and something good comes out worth tweeting or putting on Facebook or something. You can either set culture or you can let culture. You can let it be what it will be or you can set it, you can dictate it. Now, to set culture requires intentionality. Culture will never accidentally become what you want it to be. And what we see in our world today is culture that has been let to run. That's what we see. When you let culture run, it will always digress. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Culture does not, positive, does not automatically go towards the positive. Culture doesn't, oh man, we have a culture of arriving on time. How do we do that? No, you set that. Otherwise, people will show up late. <laughs> that is the automatic digression of, of, of nature is to continue to push the envelope to five minutes early to becoming 15 minutes late, and that becomes my norm. That, it's normal for me to show up 15 minutes behind when I should have been there because it was let, it was allowed to become that. You tolerated it. You tolerated people showing up late to your business. And so eventually it just became the norm that, hey, we don't get there on time. It's weird to get there on time. There's nobody there on time. But if you show up about five, 10, 15 minutes, you'll start to see people. That's what happens when you let it. And so you have to set things in motion to set it, to make it what you want it to be. 
So many times we find ourselves in situations as believers where we are having to set culture. And it's very difficult because people love their culture. People love their culture, their traditions, their way of doing things, how it's always been done, their routines and formalities and practices. And so Jesus, when he showed up, guess what he did? He was there to set culture. He was there to change it. He was there to disrupt it. He was there to show up and say, nah, we're not doing this anymore. You, your, your command says that if you sleep with a woman, you've committed adultery. But my command says if you even lust after one in your heart, in your mind, you've committed. Whoa, what did he do? He just set culture. He just said it. He just said this is what culture of the kingdom looks like. This is what the culture of the kingdom. So if we don't set the culture, we become the culture. That is always the downfall. That will always be the result. Anywhere you go that you don't go in and set the culture, you will eventually become the culture. That's the way culture works. I think I said it earlier that if you don't, if you don't change the culture, the culture will change you. The culture will change you. It's, it's, it's very easy because you're, you're going against the grain and you're, 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 you're going in disrupting things, which is very difficult and very hard to do. And, 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 and so you get in and, and you start letting go and that thing's still pushing. You're going against the, the river. And if you're not careful, if you're not pushing, that thing will drag you all the way back to where you don't want to be. All the way back to, it will, you will conform to what you do not transform. So this culture thing is, is dynamic because honestly, just want to break it down, that's why we're here. We're not here to just coast with what's going on in the world and then one day go to our heavenly place where the culture's automatically what we want. That's not what, the, that's, that's not what this is about. I know that's what a lot of Christians have bought into because they have conformed. See, the world wants you to be a Christian. They just want you to be their kind of Christian. They're okay with you. You know, the devil's okay with you being a believer as long as you're his kind of believer. He's okay with that. He's okay with the little Millie Mouse prayer, asking Jesus into my heart and then going off and living however I want. He is fine. You, you do not hinder his kingdom one bit. Go right ahead. Think that you've made Jesus Lord, but you're not, but he really isn't in control. Go, ah, ah, please. He wants you to buy into a fake gospel. He's not trying to hide this for you, from you. He's trying to show you a different version of it. That's what he really wants. I mean, an enemy that really, really wants to throw their, uh, their, their enemy or, or the person that's opposing them off set, make them think that they've figured out when they're really pushing further from the truth. It's a hidden truth, right? Come on, we talked about this when we studied identity. What did, what did, the, what did the snake tempt Eve with? Identity. Don't you know that if you eat of the fruit, you will be just like God. Why would the devil want me to take of something that would be more like him? Wow. 
He's, he's cunning. He's tri- that, you remember, that, that's how that whole chapter started off, Genesis. Now the serpent was cunning. He's tricky. So maybe his plan or his device wasn't to throw them completely off the scent, but was to make them buy into something that they thought they had, but it was really a fake version of what they really wanted. That, that's where the enemy does his greatest work. It's a cheap alternative, cheap substitute for what God wants you to really engage in. And so this culture, there is a form of godliness that the world wants you to buy in, and they're okay with it because it doesn't doesn't harm them one bit. It doesn't change their culture at all. And they'll make you think that you're doing something when you're really not doing anything at all. You're really just buying right into their system. And so the world has a culture that if we don't go in directly to set, to change, to disrupt like Jesus did. But man, when, when, you, when you take that stance, that's, that's opposition. That's a position of opposition. That is, that is, you know, because people will defend their traditions to the nth degree. They will defend it, man. They, they will, they lock up. They say, mm-mm, not, nope, not changing that. And so you, it's pushing against the grain. It's, it's taking urgency and intentionality to disrupt that. And, and it means you're going to be called a liar, and you're going to be called a fake, and you're going to be called a lunatic, just like Jesus did. That's what puts you in company with Jesus, is when you start disrupting the cycles and the patterns and the modes of the world that they're used to. And when you... It, put something in that prohibits their mode of life or their way of thinking, man, it it disrupts everything. In the message, this is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 in the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. Here it is, God helping you. How's that? By the mercies of God. I mean, God's working alongside me. See, you want to get on God's side? Disrupt culture. He's not on your team if you're conforming. He's on your team if you're transforming. God helping you. Watch this. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. I mean, that's stuff that everybody everybody does every single day. Nobody's excluded from that. Well, I got the sleeping and the eating thing. I don't really do the work thing. Maybe there's some people excluded from that, but. Sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around. He's not talking about preaching. He's not talking about going to Bible school. He's not talking about taking up, uh, you know, uh, learning an instrument so you can be on the worship team. He's not talking about, you know, getting an honorary degree. He's not talking about five-fold ministry. He's talking about ordinary life. How do you disrupt culture where you're already at? You don't have to go anywhere different. You can wake up tomorrow with this message in your pocket and say, I can change the world. It's that simple. You don't gotta marry somebody else. You don't gotta have a different family. You don't gotta have a different job. You don't have to have a different status. You don't have to have a different position to influence culture. You don't have to make a different amount of money to influence culture. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be on TV. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to have a blog. You don't have to have, you don't even need to make a Facebook post. You can influence culture with what you're already doing. 
Oh, I wish I could do this. I could just, oh, I could just change. While you're looking at what's out there, you're missing what's in here. You're missing what's right in front of you. You're missing the people at Walmart. You're missing the people at, and, and probably what's happening, oh, I wish I, oh, I wish this person would stop leave me alone. Oh, man, just one day I, I, I want to, oh, man, just quit calling me. You're always bothering me. Oh, these kids, these kids, there's always just nagging at me. Why don't want this? Why don't they? And those are the ones that, that's how you change the culture. All this stuff we're brushing off, wishing we had this, and it's right in front of us. I mean, you can literally get in your car right now and drive to the next place you go and begin to put into practice what we're teaching. Is that, you could go to your house. You could go to Taco Bell on the way home and disrupt culture. Your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work, walking around. He picked four things that everybody does, and you can place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, watch this, that you fit into it without even thinking. That's when you know culture has been set. Culture, you know culture has been set when it becomes normal, ordinary, routine. When you go out here on St. Augustine Road, if you want to go, was that west? We want to go west on, we want to go towards Gornto. Guess what? You're going to pull out. You're going to turn left, and you're going to go all the way out to the right-hand lane. There's a double yellow line down the middle of St. Augustine Road. How many, who's going to go out and go into the left side of that double, double orange line, double yellow line? Anybody? You know why? You're not even going to think about it because it's culture in our country. You drive on the right side of the road. It's normal. You don't even, okay, what, what lane am I going to get into? What, what side of the road? It's culture. It's what we do around here. That's how it works. That's the culture. In my house, we had a culture of yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. That came at the end of whoever you're talking to. You didn't ever just say, huh? Hey, Mark, huh? Dude, you asking for it there. Sir? Sir? Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's the culture. But I went over to some friends' houses, and that wasn't the culture. Their, parents would, their kids would talk back to their parents. And I'd be waiting in the corner for something to happen, and nothing would happen. What's going on around here? That is grounding, spanking, take away everything that I own and what I do not own. Take away the, the driver's license I don't even have yet. Take it all away. Because I didn't say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. In my house, we had a culture of thank you and you're welcome. And please, that's what you said. I go over to some of my friends' houses. They didn't have the same culture. It was abnormal to me. So what happens is, is when conformity takes place, what used to be abnormal becomes normal. That's when you know you've conformed. 
That's when you know you've gone over to the dark side. That's when you know you, you have gone over. And the Bible literally tells us we've been brought out of darkness into light. Okay? What used to be abnormal, what used to be weird, what used to, to oh, you, you, don't, you don't do that, you don't say that. When you know you've conformed is when that becomes normal. It just becomes the nine to five. It just becomes regular. It just becomes ordinary. The thing about culture is it's predictable. Culture is predictable. You know what's going to come. You know what's going to come because you don't even have to think about it. It's expected. See, when you know the culture of something, you're never disappointed. When you know the culture of something, you're never disappointed. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectation. But when I know the culture is, then I'm not disappointed when it happens. And if you are disappointed, that means you're on the outside looking in. See, when, 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 when you become disappointed with culture, that's an indicator I'm here to change something. When, when frustration shows up, that's an indicator you're a catalyst for changing the culture. The stuff we complain about and the stuff we're frustrated with and the stuff that we don't like in our everyday lives, there's a reason why you don't like it. There's a reason it irks you. There's a reason it doesn't make sense. There's a reason it doesn't sit well with you. There's a re- if the reason is because you are probably the one that are there in that environment, in that culture, to change the very thing that bothers you. It bothers me that no one takes out the trash. Then take out the trash. It bothers me that nobody shows up on time. Then create an incentive and and create uh, an encouraging way to help people show up on time. Give them something to show up on time for. Whatever frustrates you, whatever bothers you is usually an indication as to why you're there. It's abnormal to you. It doesn't feel right. It's weird. It's not normal to me. So don't conform to it. Don't become it. Change it. Amen. He says, uh, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. And for so long, our world has preached fitting in. For so long, our world has got to become one of, you know, that was the big thing when I was growing up. Fit in. So, you, you know, the best way to fit in was shoes and jeans. Wear the right jeans, wear the right shoes. It's the same material. It, does this, it performs the same function. It's just got a different name on it. Mine says Skechers and yours says Jordan. And I'm down here and you're up here. And you spent that much and I spent this much. It took me forever to convince my parents to let me buy Nikes. I had to work for my own money to buy my own Nikes because they're like, no, no, Skechers work. No, no, Skechers get you beat up. You don't wear Skechers. You got to wear Nike. Skechers was not cool. So we preach this fitting in. But don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, instead, fix your attention on God. The New King James says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, when you fix your attention on God, you'll be changed, you'll be changed 
you'll be changed. Come on, you're not getting it. You'll be changed. Usually when we go into a culture that we don't like, we expect it to change, but we don't expect us to change. But it says that you'll be changed from the inside out. So where does God do his initial work in setting culture? In you. In you. Come on, we've overlooked this for too long. All right, God, what do you want me to do? What, 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 what do I need to go in here and disrupt? No, you need to work on your love walk first. You need to work on how you respond to people. You'll go in there and, and you'll disrupt it in a bad way. You'll tell everybody off and you, won't, you don't have any tact. You don't know how to talk to people. Come on. Uh, you need to work on your patience first. I can't send you in that culture and disrupt anything because you don't have any patience. You'll just go berserk and just, come on. You don't like the culture in your home? Start in here. My kids, my kids. No, 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 you. What have you tolerated? What have you allowed? What have you become impatient with? What if you not, you haven't even given them any time? You know, you've been texting all day long on Facebook, you know, sharing pictures of your happy life. And then you're over here yelling, get away from me. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to make a post. Come on now. He starts here first. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Again, in the New King James, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good. That word prove is actually translated test. That you may test what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. So when we are looking at culture, this is how culture is developed. Culture begins with tolerance. Culture begins with tolerance. What you tolerate becomes accepted. Maybe not initially, but over time, what you tolerate or what you allow to run becomes accepted. What is accepted becomes normal. What is accepted becomes normal. I, I, I can think of so many things right now in our country and in our United States of America that have been tolerated. Maybe not celebrated, but it's just as bad, just as bad. If, if you're not tolerating it, you, or if you're not celebrating it, but you're tolerating it, it's just as bad. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't ever be a part of it, but if you're not stepping out and doing something about it, you're tolerating it. So you might not be in the corner you might not be cheering them on, but if you're tolerating it, if you're allowing it, eventually what is tolerated becomes accepted. And there's so many things in our country today that have just been accepted, and it's become our culture. It's just accepted. 
I mean, I know initially pulling the Bible out of schools was, 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 was not celebrated, became tolerated. Now it's accepted. That's just, you don't take a Bible in schools. So what do you gotta have? You gotta have someone to disrupt the culture because what is accepted becomes normal. What is accepted becomes normal. And think about that in our country today, what's normal? The norm. The norm. And, and, and think about this. Take us a little further, those of us that have children. What is normal to them that was once abnormal to us? What will be normal to them? We've got to be so careful with this. We've got to be so careful because at one point it was abnormal to us. You know, I, I, I've never... Well, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm only 35 years old. I can't say I've never seen, but I think historically speaking, we, we have a very grave dilemma on our hands because never has a generation outrun the previous generation so quickly. Let me put it to you this way. When I was a teenager in the 90s, there were still a lot of comparisons to my dad's teenage years in the 70s. The way we use phones, the way we use technology, the way that we communicate, the, the way that we get around, the, the level of traffic and society. And, and I mean, there's obviously things that change every decade, things are changing, but now things are changing at such a rapid pace that there will probably not be any comparisons with my teenage years in the 90s to my sons in the 2020s. There's very little that we could compare that, you know, oh, when I was a kid, I can't even have that conversation. Because when I was a kid, you could just run into your, your next door neighbor's house and go jump in their pool. Today, it's locked. You don't want to go in there because you don't know what you're going to find. Come on. And, and, and sure, things, you know, were different in the 70s versus the 90s. You know, my parents would tell me those things, but still there were a lot of things. There were still a lot of comparisons that could be made, you know, in a 20-year span that, that now in a 10-year span, it's so different. We were helping some, some, some young children just recently with some social media stuff that, uh, that they had gotten engaged in. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I think they were about 12, 13 years old, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, just really blown my mind because the very first online conversation I ever had, I was 21 years old, and, and you had to beep. And then my dad come busting in the room, I'm on the phone, you know. Oh, didn't realize my online internet connection affected your phone line. Anybody remember that? Come on. America Online, AOL, that's what I used, Instant Messenger. And you had to come up with some crazy screen name. Nothing says regret like your teenager screen name, you know, on the internet. I'm not even going to share what it was. It was ridiculous. So <clears throat> it's 21 years old, and, and they're 12 dealing with this stuff. And, and not only that, they don't have to log on to the internet and disrupt their dad's phone call. It's right here. So, you know, one of the things that I would speak into that, especially for us parents that have, you know, 
children with phones is don't ever forget they can live without it. I just, I just wanna, because it's normal. It's, well, it's abnormal now for a 12 or 13-year-old to not have a phone. I mean, that's the culture. Hello, what we tolerate. Oh, I don't really want my kids having it, but you tolerated it. Now it's accepted. Now it's normal. That's culture. Now you got to disrupt the culture. Now you got to go in and change up all kinds of stuff to say, no, nah, you don't need it. But I would just encourage parents, they don't have to have it because you did just fine without it. Come on. This is what we got to remember because culture will, will begin to change ideologies. Oh, how am I going to call them? Are you serious? Where are they at? Make sure wherever they're at that they have access to a phone. I did it. When you get to your friend's house, call me. Let me know you're there. When you get to the church, call me. Let me know you're there. If you leave, call me and tell me you're leaving and then call me when you get to the other side and I'm gonna clock it and make sure you got there in the approximate time that you said you were gonna be there. Come on, we did just fine. I didn't have a cell phone. So I went to college. I'm, I'm serious, guys. This is culture. We're talking about how if you don't, dictate the culture, it will dictate you. And you will be raising children that will tell you what to do and tell you how it's gonna be. Come on, that's what the TV's full of. Bill Cosby knew how to tell his kids what to do. Yeah, no problem grounding them, taking away their car, doing whatever. Today, you watch the shows today, there aren't even any adults in the picture. If there are, they're stupid. I'm serious. I was watching a show one time with my nieces and, and there's all these little kids in this penthouse going on dates with each other. How in the world did you get there? And there's a little butler, little plump little butler guy, stupid, just an idiot, telling him what to do. Go get my, I mean, just ridiculous, man. That's, that's the, the, the picture the world's giving to your kids that adults are stupid, you're in control and they have to listen to you. It's what it is. Home improvement, Tim Allen wouldn't take that jump. <laughs> Come on. And so this is how culture gets set. You know, the airwaves and what they're putting in front of your eyes and what they're putting in front of your ears. And if you, as a parent, are not watching what, what, what is, is being placed in front of your children, guess what? The world's doing your job for you. <laughs> it's just where we're at. The other day, my son was playing Fortnite. And we were just happened to be sitting there. My wife and I, we were just sitting there just explaining what the heck he's even doing, running around with an ax, just chopping people and opening up boxes and stuff. I'm just ridiculous. That's no point. The games I played had a point. You had to save the princess. You had to get a home run. You had to score a goal. The games today have no point whatsoever. Ridiculous. So he's running around. Uh, he's running in circles. I'm like, what are you doing? You're frustrating me watching you play this thing. And then someone over, over the speaker asked a very improper question. And my wife and I, we just froze. We just couldn't believe we just heard what we heard. And we knew it was a kid's voice. It was a kid's voice. And I said, what was that? He goes, what, what? And he says he didn't hear it, and I'm glad he didn't. I said, no more. Bye, bye. You'll be fine. I live without Fortnite. You'll be just fine. I'm serious. 
So he said, well, what if I play it, but I keep the volume all the way down? Okay, we'll see how long that lasts. That's where we're at right now. It was a good suggestion. I was proud of him for being responsible and saying, hey, I got, I got an idea. You want to run around in circles chopping boxes open with an ax, whatever. You got 30 minutes. Come on, any time limits. Are we, is this a parenting conference? Are we doing all right here? Oh, man. I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is my Wednesday night crew. You guys, you watch everything your kids are downloading and doing, and I trust you. You're doing awesome. But this is how culture comes in. It's tolerated. comes accepted. Eventually, it's normal. It's just the way it is. And so once culture sets in, the only way to change it is to disrupt it only way you change. You don't ease it in. You, you have to come barreling in, knocking walls down, saying, boom, this is how it's going to be. And every time you do that, you're going to have opposition. That's okay. That's part of the kingdom. Kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You do it with the love of God, and you do it with patience. You do it wanting to see people's lives change for the kingdom of God, not just wanting to get your agenda done. Jesus wasn't here just trying to get an agenda done. He cared about people but he had to disrupt some things. And you'll have people that will side and you'll have people that oppose. That's the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, I'm gonna leave you here, leave you hanging a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. We know this verse, you've seen it. Is this good? Yeah. Amen. Well worth coming out on a Wednesday night, I tell you what. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, so what are you doing? You're changing your environment. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The New Living Translation says it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Now we need to understand where this change takes place. This change does not take place in the natural it takes place in the spiritual. Old life, spiritually dead, spiritually separated, spiritually condemned to hell, spiritually separated from God, spiritually unrighteous, spiritually unholy, all that has been done away with. But now, he says, a new life has begun. Where? Spiritually. Spiritually. On the inside. You've been made a new person on the inside. We can all rejoice and we can thank God for that. In an instant, because of the blood of Jesus, I'm made new. He doesn't hold a thing against me. He doesn't bring up my wrongs in my past. I have a new future. I have a new hope. I can have vision for my life. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's on the inside. What happens is, is I'm still wrapped in a flesh that has a counter culture. I'm still wrapped in a suit 
that has the desires, the cares, appetite, behaviors, agenda, attitudes, responses of the world. A counter culture. And so where does it start? Within. I've been made new on the inside, but here's what I got to do. I've got to introduce my new man to my flesh. I got to introduce myself to myself. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will introduce you to the kingdom. So when we come into the kingdom, guess what? It's a new, see, new nature demands new culture. New nature demands new culture. I can't do it the way I used to do. Come on, we all remember our old lives, our past lives, our carnal lives. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. A new nature demands a new culture. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.